today because in the middle of languages being produced with media, there are breakthroughs in terms of technology. What I want to show you is the newest technology in the world that they're using to share the gospel in the most remote places possible. Here it is. You see this? This is the projector. This is the projector. Oh yeah, and this is the speaker. And you know what? This is the battery that runs at no generator. Well, how do you charge the battery? Solar power. You guys, it's so cool. Everything you need to show this film anywhere in the world fits within this backpack. One person. And oh yeah, there's a screen that goes with it. Like you have a tent with poles that fold out. Here are the poles. Here's the screen. They go on the side. One person can take it anywhere in the world. God has given us. What does it look like when that show? You see that picture? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like when people take this and show what it means to know Jesus in their language. Pretty cool. All right. What else? Well, what if you just had a small group in a home? You know what you'd use? A tablet. A tablet. Look at this picture. This is taken from Cambodia. Cambodia. Yeah, they're sitting around a, in a home, and they can not only have the film on it, but they have follow-up and discipleship, and God has given breakthroughs on these little tablets. You can load whatever you want to on this, and you can use it, all right? What else beyond that? Well, what if... Can you see this? This is a micro SD chip. It's at the tip of my fingers. Can you see how big it is? This is what they use in phones, in phones. And what you can do is load this on there. You can load the Bible on there. You could load whatever you wanted to on there. And for some of the most secure places in the world, this is what they would plug in to their phone, even if they don't have internet. Because when they have this on their phone, they can go Bluetooth, phone to phone to phone to phone. And what if they're in a secure place, you know, where it's a little bit dangerous to talk about Jesus? How do they hide this chip? They swallow it. They swallow it. Yeah, if it's ever a situation where they'll be persecuted for having things about Jesus. They start with it under their tongue, and then if they're searched, they swallow it. God is giving technology, you guys. But here's the coolest thing, the most modern thing we've got. All right, so what if you wanted to share the gospel in a place where internet was illegal or highly controlled? What if you're on a bus in China? You're on a bus in China. This is a local Wi-Fi hotspot. You turn this on, it's called a pocket. You turn this on for a radius that would include this entire room. Anybody on this room would be pinged just like that. Oh, hey, look, I got Wi-Fi on my phone. You don't have Wi-Fi on your phone. <laughs> what you have is what's been loaded on this device. You could have the Bible loaded on. You could have the New Testament. You could have the Jesus film. You could have whatever you wanted, short films loaded on here. And somebody, oh, look, I've got it. And you can download it. Oh, yeah, it could be in China. You could put it in your backpack and walk into a park in Iraq or Iran 
would know where it came from. But people would say, oh, look, I've got access. I can download this. I wonder what it is. God is giving us technology to break through in places around the world where people don't have access. Yes. Sometimes it's hard to explain the total impact of the Jesus film. It, it, it's, it's really hard. You guys, it's hard to keep track of how many might have heard the gospel through this tool. Really, really hard. Why? Well, you can download it from the internet onto your laptop. Yeah, no one keeps track of that. Or these 960 teams that one group has, do, they, do we get a report from each one of those groups? I don't think so. No. So the numbers that you see reported in terms of how many might have heard, you can trust because they're way underreported. We can't keep track. We can't. We tried in one year. We tried the best we'd ever tried in like 10 years. Maybe we got to talk to everybody using this thing to gather as much information just so we can pass on what happened in one year's time. This is what we discovered. It's not complete, but this is what we discovered. Let me ask you this question first. How many people like math here in the room? <laughs> math, okay, now, you know, we got a few that like math. Okay, so here's, here's the math problem. You got to do where you're sitting, no calculator. How many seconds are there in a minute? Great. How many seconds are there in an hour? 3,600. Okay, how many seconds are there in a day? A lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 1,800 or 18,000, okay? How many seconds are there in a year? Just over 31 million seconds in a year. Now, somebody will do the math. Somebody will get your, get your computer out and do, the, and do the math, okay? 31 million. When we gathered up all the information that one year from people that sent us their reports, and it's not complete, we found that 30 point four million people had indicated a decision in some way to trust Christ in one year's time after watching the film. Every second, someone, somewhere around the world is making a decision. Guys, we aren't hearing that news. We're hearing all kinds of other kind of news. But what I can tell you is that God has somehow taken this tool. It's just a little bitty tool. But God is using it in ways way beyond what we had ever thought were going to happen. But more than the numbers are the individuals. More than the, more than the big data, more than the huge impact, more than all the languages and all the partners. It's about individuals that are trusting Christ, isn't it? I want to show you a picture of the scariest group of people I've ever been with my entire life. And I want to tell you about things that are happening that we can't publicize, we can't record, we probably shouldn't tell others about. I'm up front there. And the reason I have that white outfit on is I happen to be in Dubai and everyone I'm sitting with in that room is a former Taliban fighter who have come to Jesus. And before I went into that room, the one in charge of doing the training, they're coming from all countries into Dubai because it was safe. 
They said, Bill, you know, it might be good for you to change clothes and maybe, maybe look like they look when you go into the room. And I said, well, okay, why? why? He said, well, it would make them feel more comfortable. And I said, no, wait a minute. I'm the one that's going to have to sit on the floor for eight hours with these guys, okay? Why are you thinking about making them feel more comfortable? And, and I could tell he was struggling at how to explain this to him, and he says it this way. Well, Bill, they were trained to kill people that are dressed the way you're dressed right now. Okay, 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 and I'll change clothes. I'll, okay, we'll do this, okay? So I did. So there I am. And everyone had been trained as a Taliban fighter. Everyone had qualified as a suicide bomber. And now they were followers of Jesus. And they were willing to risk their life to take this message of Jesus back to those people that they grew up with, the same ones that they went to school with in the Jamaats. And I asked them, why? Why are you willing to go? Why? This, you're risking your life. You realize you could be killed out there for even talking about Jesus, the places you want to go. And one guy looks at me square in the eye without hesitation, and he said this, the ones we grew up with don't know there's another way. No one's ever told them. I talked to one guy, he was 27 years old. I said, what was your job with the Taliban? And he said, well, I, I did uh, cyber work. And I did, uh, 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 what did you actually do? He says, well, they trained me how to steal money from banks in Western Europe. That was his job. But now he's a Jesus follower. Two of those sitting with me in that room that day are with Jesus today because they were using this tool that, that we helped them with, they wanted to take, to tell their friends about Jesus. I asked one, how did you learn to be a Taliban fighter? And this is awkward to talk about, and I want to be real careful what we say. He said, if you were a good Muslim family, when boys were seven or eight years old, you would send them off to a Jamaat to be trained to be a good Muslim. It'd be like a Christian family sending their son to a Christian boarding school. But not only did they learn about their faith, but they were taught to be a soldier. And I said, well, what, what, what does it mean to be a soldier? He says, well, when they were seven or eight, they were taught to kill things. I said, well, what do you do with a seven or eight-year-old? He says, well, we taught them how to kill baby chickens by stomping on them. He said, and then if they were good at that as they got older, they were taught how to strangle animals. And then progressively, they were taught and asked to kill a baby and to kill a woman and to kill a man. And that's what it took to qualify to be a suicide bomber. And everyone in this room had qualified to be a suicide bomber. But now they were different people. Did they call themselves Christians? No, you know the phrase they used? They called themselves Jesus followers. Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus. Follower of Jesus. When they asked for our help, I said, are you sure? Oh yeah, are you sure you're sure? You could be killed. And to have been. Why? 
Why would you go back? Why would you risk your life? And they said it again. Our friends that we grew up with don't know there's another way. No one's ever told them. No one's ever told them you have to blow yourself up to be a suicide bomber in order to qualify to go to what their view of heaven is. No one's ever told them someone has already given their life to qualify for the sin that they should pay. No one's ever told them. No one will unless we go. And they go. Every week I get reports from people around the world. These ones that we help with equipment and things like this everywhere, I help them with a the language that they need. They send me reports of what happens. Here is one that I got just a few weeks ago from Afghanistan. The believers were helping to move others that were in danger to safety and to help them with food and clothing. And they had heard that the Taliban was focusing on them, trying to find them. And so they took off. They tried to escape. But I want to read you the story of one Islamic cleric in his own words. Some of this is broken English, you guys. So I'm just going to read it in the words that he said because I want you to hear how he responded. It was midnight, and six people came to my house asking for shelter from the Taliban. They were tired, so according to our custom, I let them in for the night. After I fed them and gave them a place to sleep, I began wondering about these visitors, so I started looking through their bags. First, I found a holy book and began to read it, thinking it was the Quran, but the words were different. I was reading about Jesus. Next, I found a micro SD card and put it in my phone, and up came a movie about Jesus. It was amazing. Very soon, I felt the glory of God come over me, and I could feel the power. Then I said to myself, for 38 years, I've been memorizing the Quran and serving the Taliban, but I've never felt this power. After I finished watching the film, I couldn't wait till morning to wake up my guests. Initially, they were afraid. Taliban had found them. But I explained that while they were sleeping, I went through their bags and found the book in the movie. I said, your Jesus, your God came into my heart and soul. These men knew Jesus very well and have helped me to become a holy man for him a Muslim cleric, just hearing about Jesus, happened to stumble onto this film that told of what he, what he was all about and how they could trust him. People are risking their lives for this. So what happens when someone likes this trusts Jesus? How do they enfold them into a church? Think about how this would work at your church. All right. If someone professes faith in, faith in Jesus, all right, before they're allowed to be baptized, they have to see someone else trust Christ, and that someone also has to see someone else trust Christ. Then they're allowed to be baptized and enter into the fellowship of the church. How's that working here? Okay, yeah. If you had to, okay, you've got to lead somebody to Christ, you lead somebody else to Christ, then we'll think three generations before they were approved as real believers. When they're baptized, 
They go under the water like we say the same words that they say. They are buried with Christ, right? And when they come out of the water, it's no longer they who live, but Christ who lives within them. They see themselves at that point as dead. They are no longer their own. They've been bought with a price. They're his. And that's why they're willing to go anywhere. Because they see the incredible thing that he has done for them. Sometimes extended families that become Jesus film followers will want to go back to their home area. And what they found for the most secure way to go back is they go as extended families. So husband, wife, grandparents, kids, they all go together to start a new business. Yeah, we'll all go, there's not much risk. If you're coming with your grandparents, you know, and your kids, nobody's going to question who you are, why you're there. It's it's probably the best way to go back into an area and tell people about Jesus. All right, so one family like that was going to Inner Mongolia. Inner Mongolia. Yeah. And the job that they had been assigned, they could pick which ones they wanted to start, was a dairy business. They had cows. But after a few months, their business was not going well at all. People were not interested in their milk. It was really hard for them to start a business in this inner Mongolia area. All right. And what they do at night is the only entertainment they had for their kids is they'd show them a section of the Jesus film in their own home at night. Yeah, the own home. So what happened? A couple people were kind of curious from the neighborhood, and they said, well, we hear this film every night. I wonder what it is. So they decided they would send in two spies into that home, sneak in through a window, walk through a crack in a door, and the portion they saw of the movie that was being shown that night was Jesus on a donkey. Jesus on a donkey. The next day they came to him and they said, uh, just want to let you know, last night we snuck into your house and we saw part of this film, and the part that we saw was about a donkey and a man on a donkey. He said, well, yes. They were a little surprised. Yes, yes. He said, do you know how important donkeys are in our culture? He said, donkey milk is like revered. If we were to help you start a business of donkey milk, would you please tell us about the man who rode on the donkey? Can you see it? People started bringing their donkeys to this family. Yeah, because donkey milk was almost revered, and sure enough, the business took off. And did they have opportunity to tell people? They did. And over an 18-month period, 17 new house churches were started through this family who started a donkey milk business and told their friends about the one who rode on a donkey. Guys, only God can do this, right? It's not about some tool like a film. It's what God is doing. He is choosing to break through in ways that we can never imagine. It's just incredible to think about. So many things I could tell you of what's happening. Okay, Libya, not an easy country. Libya, yeah. People heard that they were going to show this film, this religious film in a village. So what did they do? Well, in their culture, it's pretty normal to bring something to sacrifice to any kind of a religious activity. 
So people showed up for the Jesus film showing with goats. Goats. They thought they were going to have to sacrifice at this religious gathering. They got there. They showed the film. And the head of the village said, you can't leave. And they thought, oh, no, we are in big time trouble. What happened? No, no, you wa we want you to show this again. And so they did the same night. The same night, they showed it three times. And then the next day, they said, okay, when we normally have our five times during the day, you know, where they call to prayer in this Muslim culture, no longer will they do that. This is what they announced that second day on the loudspeaker for everyone in the village. Come, come see the Jesus film. Oh, people, come and see Jesus, the heavenly God. When it was time for them, the team, to think about going, he says, no, 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 you can't leave. Where do you need to go? And they named the 26 villages that they were supposed to go and show this film. No, we'll invite them to come here. You stay here. We'll invite them to come. And over the next three months, people from all 26 villages came. And they continued to show the film five times a day. You know, that's what God does. We can't plan that. Maybe the toughest place in the world to communicate the gospel, if you had to think about it today, the most difficult place in the world would be North Korea. North Korea. I got a phone call sitting in my office one afternoon, and I got this call, and I said, is this Bill? Yes. Well, you don't know me, but years ago, the Jesus film helped us. And I said, oh, 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 really? Yeah. He said, yeah, we're so, we're so grateful. I wonder if you could help us again. And I, oh, oh, really? Okay, now tell me, how could we help? He says, well, you know what we really need? What we really need are these little micro SD chips. And I, oh, oh, really? What, what, what would you do? Well, you know, boy, if we had a micro SD chip, we, 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 we have all kinds of contact with 1,765 underground house churches or groups in North Korea. I said, okay, so you want these, why? He says, well, they don't have internet, but they do have the kind of phones you can plug these into, and if we had this, we could it'll give it to them, and they could spread it to their friends using Bluetooth. And I said, all right, all right, great. How many of these would you need? He said, well, I don't think we'd need more than 20,000 of these, if you could get us 20,000 of these. I said, oh, really? Well, what would you want on it? He says, well, what we'd really, yeah, we want the Jesus film on it, but it's got to be in the North Korean dialect. They'll, they know the difference with South Korean dialect. Got to be the North Korean dialect. And sure enough, we had refugees that had recorded the Jesus film in the North Korean dialect. Yeah, we need the Jesus film. We want the entire printed Bible. And oh, yeah, we need the oral New Testament. Yeah, the Jesus film. And we need follow-up materials on this and some worship songs. Can you do that? I said, well, boy, I have never done that before. Uh, let me see, let me see if we could get it done. When do you need them? And the phrase he said still rings in my ear. He said, we need them before the ice melts. Before the ice melts. I said, what, what do you mean? He says, oh yeah, we'll get these produced in China and then someone will walk them across the frozen river into North Korea. 
we have to have them before the ice melts. I called my friend Robert Briggs, the president of the American Bible Society, and asked if we could get the North Korean printed Bible. He checked and he gave permission. And then I called Morgan Jackson, the leader of Faith Comes by Hearing. We've got the oral New Testament. Can we get it? Yeah, we could get it. And we had the Jesus film and someone else worked on getting the worship songs and the follow-up materials. And within two weeks, we had all the materials ready and sent it to this group. They sent it to a group that would put it on 20,000 of these chips in China. Finally, I got a response. I hadn't heard anything for a while. And I got a response. It was a text, a three-word text. It went like this. They are ready. You know how you pray when somebody is risking their life? Think about it. How would you pray if you knew that somebody you were working with was risking their life to share this message? That's how we began to pray. Lord, these guys are risking their life. I asked him, did you ever have anybody arrested before doing this? He says, yeah, we tried to carry some Bibles in one time and people were stopped and with, they were given no trial. They were put in jail for five years. I prayed. We all prayed. I didn't hear anything week after week after week after week. Finally, it was six weeks later. I've been praying for six weeks. Finally, I got another three-word text. This is what it said. They made it. They made it. We haven't heard a word since. We won't know till we get to heaven what happens. But all I know is that people in North Korea that follow Jesus today are risking their life to take this and use it on their phone and pass it along to others who use it on their phone because they want their friends to know about Jesus. God wants to use each of us. And I want to, I want to close with this this morning. How would he want us to respond to the kind of things we've heard today? How would the kind of things we've heard today about God working in incredibly, incredibly difficult places, how would he want us to respond when we hear that? Let me just offer a couple of things that we might do by way of application this morning as we sit here for us. It's kind of like this. You, you go to Trader Joe's, you gotta have bags for the groceries, right? Yeah, you, you got a lot of groceries. You, you got to bring your own bags. They aren't going to give you any bags. You got to have a way to take it home. And let me see if I can offer this morning a couple of ways that you might be able to take this home. Take this home. If you have your Bible with you where you could turn, I'd like you to look at one verse. Isaiah 25, verse 1. You have your Bible with you this morning? This is the application. Isaiah 25, verse 1. Let me give you a minute to look there. Because the things you see there are some ways that this might apply to each of us today. A way that we could take this home, what we're hearing about what God is doing. Here's the first thing. You see what it says? Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name for what you have done, the wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. 
One way we could take this home is to say to him this morning, God, you are my God. You are the same God that's working in Afghanistan. You're the same God that's working in China, the same God in Libya, the same God in North Korea, the same God that's protecting these people, the same one that's doing miracles to bring Muslim clerics. You are the same God, and the application we could take home is to tell him, thank you, God, that you are the same God. You're not a different God. You're the same God. You have the same power in my life you do in their life. Same spirit lives within me that lives within them. And you tell him today, thank you that you are my God. That's first. Second, we can give thanks. It says here, give thanks. Yeah, exalt you and give thanks for the wonderful things, the wonders that you're done. What I want us to do this right, right now is to take about 15 seconds where you're sitting, right in your seat, and have everyone bow your head and give God thanks for one place you heard about today. Thank him for North Korea, what he's doing. Thank him for Libya. Thank him for China. Thank him for Inner Mongolia. Thank him. If you'd bow your head right now, I want you to take a minute right now, and like it says in Isaiah 25, give him thanks for what he's doing. Amen. You know, it says here, the last part of this, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. This idea of the Great Commission, it's going to happen. He's doing it. He's taking this message to people that have never heard. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. It says in Revelation 7, 9, there will be people before his throne from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, every language. Did you know that the Bible Society has plans to start every language ever needing translation ever in the next five years? Could it be in our lifetime there would be language available and language tools with the scripture so that everyone in every language would have opportunity? You guys, we can see it coming. We can see it coming. And we get to be a part of it. And we with the Jesus film just have a little tool that somehow because it's the word of God in their heart language and oral and visual, God is seeming to use that people say, yeah, that's a part of what we want to do. Last thing by application, then we're going to pray. Do you have the Jesus film app on your phone? If you don't, let me encourage you to write it down. Jesus film app, write it down, download. I don't know if we have enough internet connectivity for people to do it right here. But if you download the Jesus Film app to your phone, you have access to 2,000 languages right now. How does it work? It works when you are in an Uber and the driver probably doesn't speak English as their first language. Or you're in a conversation with someone and you can ask them, hey, was English the first language you ever learned? And they say, oh, no, no, it was Arabic. Oh, really? What if I had a film in your language? You ever watch films in your language? Oh, no, they don't make films in my language. Oh, really? What was it? And you tell him, and you look it up, and sure enough, you've got it, and you can send him a portion or the entire thing in his heart language. God can use you. He wants to use you to pass on 
what he's given to you to others. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, this morning we're so grateful. We are so grateful that someone took the time to tell us about Jesus. We're so grateful for those you've used to help us grow. And we tell you that we want to be those that you might use to help others grow as well, to just pass on the things that we've been taught. And thank you for what you're doing in places around the world that we don't hear about much. And for those people that are risking their life and that we can be a part with them of what you're doing to take this message to every person. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that enables us to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.